Oh, good day, everyone, and welcome to a big showdown edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you, of course, by Crowcast. Lots to unpack tonight. A bit of a disappointing result for the Crows, but not entirely unexpected. Why don't we uh, cut all the crap and just get right into it, shall we? G'day, 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 and welcome to everyone to another edition of the Weekend Wrap, the showdown edition. Uh, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord and who's joined us on YouTube and also even on Twitch. Don't forget you can get around us on Discord at any stage tonight. We've got the live stage going, so if you want to have something to say about the weekend's result, uh, feel free to hop in the uh, voice channel, uh, stick your hand up, and uh, we'll invite you in. There'll be plenty of talk, I imagine. And plenty of talk from my two cohorts. Maka, how are you? Well, uh, you know, Mother's Day is over, thank Christ. I mean, between me and <laughs> I mean, Mrs. Maka and I, between we've got we've been married before, we've got five bloody siblings, or not siblings, uh, children. And yes. of course, they've all been here, here today. It's ruined my footy watching something shocking. <laughs> well, you know, shit. So, three hundred and sixty-four other days you can watch footy for God's sakes. Well, they could have had Mother's Day on a Monday or something like that. <laughs> and uh, yes, Nikki, how are you? I'm good, and according to my mother, uh, every day should be Mother's Day. Every um, day should sorry. be Mother's Day. Yes. Um, no, no, I'm quite good. Uh, didn't watch too much football this weekend. I had a few family right. commitments. There's, there's a lot of birthdays in May, unfortunately. Right. Well, I had a fairly quiet Mother's Day because my mother's in Queensland. So uh, apart from a phone call, that was my entire commitment, really, which is uh, pretty good. Um, look, why don't we uh, cut the crap? Don't forget, people, uh, as I said earlier, you can join us on Discord, um, just uh, get around the live chat if you want to have something to say. I'm sure there'll be a few people itching for something to say. Um, for those on Discord uh, that were bagging me about my Ford 50 turd last week, <laughs> I've got a, got a little surprise for you so you can all get stuffed. <laughs> Oh, geez, good stuff. Uh, Macca, and, you know, I ran out of time, Macca, to um, make a nice big intro for you, but uh, I have done some pretty little graphics for you. So <laughs> why don't why don't we just get straight into Macca's 15 minutes of fame, beloved weekend's results, <laughs> shall we? Okay, why don't we? Um, well, the first game is, uh, well, you call them out, mate, and I'll answer one by one. Yes, it's uh, Geelong and Cat, uh, Geelong Cats nineteen twelve one twenty six defeated Richmond nine nine sixty three by sixty three points. That was a little unexpected there, Macca. 
It was, and you know, we were talking about it before the game that uh, we thought that Geelong's game plan, the game style, would uh, work against them because you know, they like to kick it around. But and it did in the first quarter. Richmond really were in sway in uh, holding sway in the first quarter. But in from the second quarter onwards, they started Geelong started to move the ball a lot quicker. Now their coach said they didn't, but they bloody well did. Your eyes don't lie. And, you know, they started. And moving it very quickly, and they've got that three-pronged forward attack. And you know, in between them, they've got fifteen goals. You've got Cameron six, mm. you've got Rowan five, and Hawkins four. And uh, only one of them's a Geelong product; the rest are stolen from other clubs. But be that as it may, um, <laughs> we're for Hawthorne. They, well, I tell you what, it's a very, very dangerous forward line. And if they do adopt that approach of getting that ball in quickly with with three quality forwards like that, they're going to win a lot of games. And maybe they just might be. Uh, a chance for the flag. I've written them off, but no, not after that game, no. Right. Uh, right. The next game, uh, St Kilda, eight goals, 15-63, just squeaking in by nine points over the Suns, 7-12-54. The Suns in front for a large part of that game, but uh, couldn't get it done. Yeah. Look, they, they basically... Uh, They've got a reasonably good side now. As I said last week, they've got a lot of good young lads there. Toot Miller's in top form in, in the middle, as is uh, the skipper. Um, they, they, they're doing a pretty good job. But I say St Kilda, lucky to get out in the end. Uh, Jack Steele was outstanding in the last quarter. Like he, he really played a captain's knock in the last quarter. Billings was good all day. Um, and uh, they, as you said, in the end, they just did enough to get up. And that's all. St Kilda, there's no premiership chances there. No premiership chances, you don't reckon, even with the uh, the amazing Brad Crouch? Look, I, I, meant, I was going to mention Crouch. He, look, you know, I didn't really notice him for a long time and then I looked at his stats and he had about 17 disposals. And I thought, well, none of them could have been any good because and then, uh, <laughs> his efficiency must have been bloody terrible. Look, um <laughs> we we lost Crouch. He gets a very good ball getter, but geez, he doesn't use the ball at all. All well, not at all well. No. Uh, we then had the Giants sixteen eleven one oh seven, just even closer squeaking past Essendon sixteen nine one oh five. Two points there, the margin. The Giants just hanging in there at the moment, Mac. Yeah, excellent game actually. Very entertaining game by by you know by both teams and. Uh, uh, GDFs, uh, GWS, they've got a very good midfield, as you know, and uh, uh, and they all fired. And but uh, Essendon, I, you know, they never gave in at any stage of the game. And with seven minutes to go, uh, GWS, I thought made a technical mistake. They were three goals between somewhere between three and four goals up, and they went into their shell and and tried to waste time. And uh, it, you know, if they made a slip up, Essendon got hold of the ball and charged down and got a goal. And, they, and Essendon got three goals very very quickly. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't think GWS should make that mistake again. When you're three goals up, three to four goals up, and you're on top, just keep going, I think, rather than just trying. Seven minutes out is too far too far out to try and you know shut the game down. i tell you what, too. Um, one on YouTube is just absolutely hooking into you at the moment, Macca. It reckons you sound like Bob Davis. <laughs> well... <laughs> That's not the kindest <laughs> thing anybody's ever said. <laughs> oh, no comment. Uh, Collingwood, 14-10-94, got up over North, 11-10-76 by 18 points. Not terribly convincing. 
Well, if you're really honest about it, it was two shit teams fighting it out, to be honest. Um, Correct. And the Pies, they are really in trouble. I mean, um, they finally did put uh, Darcy Moore at centre-half back and uh, he had an outstanding game. If they mm. persevered with their ridiculous idea of making a forward out of him, uh, then, you know, no way would they have got one won the game. He was outstanding at the back line. But, you know, I think Buckley's in major trouble. This side is only just going and... Uh, yeah, you know, Grundy, the million dollar man, he's only just going to. Uh, wow. Pendlebury's only, they, you know, side bottom, Pendlebury, they're only just going. Sacked their uh, list, or what was he, list manager or something, Ned Guy, um, during the week. So um, that's uh, probably an admission that they've got their list management strategy completely wrong. So uh, anyway. Uh, Melbourne, 10 struggled to get over the line against Sydney, but eventually by nine points, Sydney 8 10, 58. Yeah, because we had the showdown on the same time as this particular game, uh, I mm. think, because um, I only got to see glimpses of this game. But, you know, um, Melbourne, a very good team, and Swans, as I've always said, they're, they're a team you just can't take lightly because they always have a real crack. And, in, and uh, May did an outstanding job keeping Buddy goalless. And, uh, well, no disgrace by Sydney, but Melbourne, I, I think they, uh, they're a genuine real deal. I think so too. Yeah, g'day to True Blue Footy, who's a, a new uh, new joiner on YouTube. Nice to see you. And uh, what have we got here? The Weagles getting over Hawthorne comfortably, 14-14-98 to eight goals, 12-60, a margin there of 38 points to West Coast. Yes, uh, only saw a glimpse of this over people's bloody shoulders, so I can't comment too much on it. But again, it was really uh, <laughs> God, you're a winger, bloody hell. Well, you know, that's I like loving what, what <laughs> you know, I like watching all the games, mate. Anyway, but now to New York, I did see him dominating the rucks, and I saw Gaff always running off with the ball. So, um, I can tell you that much. That's about all I can tell you. Yeah, no, but, that's fair enough. Uh, and this afternoon, the Bulldogs coming from behind to win by doing it doggy style, Macca. <laughs> uh, yes, they coming did. from behind, <laughs> Mac. Sixteen, eleven, one hundred seven. Nikki yeah. must have gone away because otherwise I would have copped it for saying that. <laughs> no, I was just shaking my head. <laughs> she was wondering what it meant, though. Oh, now, come on. Straighten up now. Let's straighten up. I, I was going to say, I watched the, the, the last little bit of that game. Um, I, I actually did too, Nikki, until the last quarter, so thank goodness. Yeah, 16-11-107 to 13-13-91, 16 points in the end. Uh, what was it, about a six goal to one last quarter by the Dogs? Uh, kick, no, kick seven. Seven, uh, yeah. seven goals straight. And, uh, yeah. You know, the midfield started firing, and once they once they got on top there, then it was all over. But uh, a couple of comments out of that. <laughs> PJ, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Can't do oh, it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, Cripps is one of the most overrated footballers. He, he shot at the moment, I reckon. Um, Eddie uh, had a bit of a rejuvenation. He kicked five. Um, and He's not overrated, uh, Mac. He's not overrated. Oh. He's just he's he carries too much in that bloody team. He, could, he just he's a great player. He just carries too much, and I'm he's got shoulders and all sorts of stuff going on there. I, I feel a bit sorry for Paddy Cripps actually. 
I reckon he's no, I reckon his shoulders are collapsed, mate, under the weight of it all. He's not playing at the level he was before. Not nowhere near it, in my opinion. Yeah, if you have a look at his stats, they're pretty poor. And uh, uh, I did mention uh, Harry Mackay at full forward. Yeah, he's a beauty. He got four. Uh, and the Lions accounting for the Dockers fairly comfortably. Uh, four goals in the end, 14-11-95 to Frio 10-11-71, 24-port margin there. Brisbane just ticking over. Yeah, and only just ticking over. Look, I didn't bother to watch that game. I missed out on all the good games, and this was one of the poor ones, so I didn't bother. Didn't bother? You thought you'd just turn up for Mother's Day? Yeah. Well, by this stage, we still had some you know, lingerers around the place. So I just thought, you know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there listening tonight too. It's, uh, <laughs> we're obviously uh, not a misogynist amongst us here. Uh, we're just... not, not at all. Not at all. I treat her very well. Yes, yes, of course you do. And g'day to Mrs Macker, of course, and uh, Mrs Nikki as well. Uh, all right, so the latter, Mac, uh, sees Melbourne uh, clear on 32 points, the Bulldogs on 28, uh, Port Adelaide on 24, so that's your top three. And then we've got three on 20, Geelong, Sydney and West Coast, uh, Brisbane and Richmond in the eight on 16, GWS, Frio and St Kilda out of the eight on 16. Gold Coast, Carlton and the Adelaide Crows on 12, Essendon on 8 along with Collingwood and Hawthorne and North Melbourne just sewing up Jason Horn nicely at the moment. Uh, I just want to make a comment there. Mm. Uh, at the end of round 18, normally they say that the 8 is just about set. What do you think? Oh... Uh, yeah, probably I'd swap out Sydney for GWS, I think. But I don't I don't see too many other contenders outside the eight at the moment. I think Sydney I think are starting that, to struggle. That's the one potential one, isn't it? Um, yeah, um, I think but so. Apart, but apart from that, I don't think there'll be very massive changes. I think the old no, rule think, of uh, round, round eight is just nearly just about right. Yeah, I I think so. Uh, GWS is starting to get it, their act together. They've won uh, what four out of the last five. Sydney have only won two out of the last five. Uh, Sydney have got Collingwood coming up, which should be a win for them. GWS got Richmond, which will be tough. Um, there's a few good games actually. The Bulldogs Port game will be a classic, I reckon. Um, that'll be a really good one to watch. Um, Richmond GWS will be interesting. So uh, there's a couple of... I, I think in the end, the Giants will sneak into the eight at probably the expense of Sydney. I, I wouldn't have picked Geelong to be up there, but they just keep on keeping on, don't they? Mm, they do. Yep. All right. And, and well, who, oh, Nikki, you're still here. I am. Just on that, though, who would have thought that last year's grand finalists would be sitting in the bottom half of that eight? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I Look, they came with a rush last season as well, Nick, Richmond. Um, they did. Mm. Yeah, so they, I'm not... They did, but I, I'm just wondering when was the last time that both of the grand finalists were actually... Well, that's, quite that's true enough. <clears throat> that's true enough, yeah. I mean, Brizzy's percentage isn't bad, 114. Richmond sort of 
fair to middling. They'll struggle to... Um, Richmond, if they don't get a wriggle on, they'll struggle to make top four, which will make their title defence pretty difficult. Um, but uh, I just think they're just kicking along at the moment. Uh, I don't think Hardwick could be terribly happy with uh, the state of events, but... Uh, no. They're only um, just chugging you know. things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, thanks to everyone on YouTube who's uh, commented on my amazing graphics. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of assholes. <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't we just kick along to the Adelaide game? Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, Look, 12-15-87 port to Adelaide, five goals, 8-38. A margin in the end of 49 points um, was probably, I in guess, where the 49. game sat. Beg your pardon? 49 points in showdown 49. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Juan, for the uh, compliment. Um, yeah, <laughs> so pro- probably where the game sat, I think. Um, we hung in and hung in and hung in and played very scrappy football with not much method. Uh, Port probably didn't make the most of their chances, uh, could have possibly won by more and probably would have had it been dry, I think. But uh, probably a fair indication of where things sat. Nikki, what do you reckon? I, I think it was kind of, we expected that result. Um, mm. And with the injuries that we got early, that didn't help. Uh, but what I was pleased to see was we kept the intensity for the majority of the game. Um, we had some issues in that first quarter that got fixed and we kind of yep. came back into in some key stats. So I think there was some positives to come out of it, which that's what we're trying to look for this year. I think so. Mac, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, just before the game, even the ball was bounced, I thought we were a little bit short in the back line uh, against their players and a little bit too tall up forward. And then that was exaggerated by the fact of having two smalls go down very early in the piece, mm. which meant that we uh, had a very unbalanced forward line. So yep. when you take all that into account, I think that look, our performance was pretty good. I couldn't quite understand why we had a back pocket halfback flanker as our... Uh, um, Medical sub either. I, I thought that was a bit. Strange, no. Well, but... we'll get to we'll get to selection in a moment, Macca. You know the format. Yeah, I was really talking about <laughs> that because of the balance of the side. Um, and oh well, that's what, true. Yeah, I didn't and, like McPherson there either. Yeah, so to when, be honest. No, so so when the two smalls went down, I mean that was vicious. The one that happened to poor old McHenry, that was vicious. He has to get two for that. And, um, yeah, well, that's the, gone straight to the um, that's gone straight to the tribunal. That one, uh, so he can't enter any sort of early plea. Um, and I'd be surprised if he got anything less than two. Yep, and uh, but but that really did unbalance the forward line, and, it, and we were uh, we just didn't have that. Oh, I thought Roe actually was the only crumber left that really up there up forward. So uh, I thought it was a good effort actually. And, I thought we tried so hard in that third quarter, second and third quarter. We tried so hard, mm. but with little result, um, mm. and we didn't have the appropriate players in the right place. So I thought effort was good. Um, they were a better side. There's no doubt about that. Um, yep. and, we, and given all the handicaps that went it went against us, I thought it was a reasonably good effort. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. Losing Murphy and uh, McHenry 
early basically killed our game plan because from what I could see without getting too specific right now, it looked like the aim was to just get it forward and um, we had enough tools down there to make a contest and then, you know, sort of crowd the crumb and try to get uh, secondary stoppages or, or a crumb goal sort of thing. But Roe was playing a load in hand. I don't think uh, he didn't too bad a job, but we were just too light on for crummers up forward. And it, You know, we actually, um, as I'll point out a bit later, we actually changed our approach um, after quarter time, but uh, to little effect really. So anyway, uh, so yeah, it, uh, look, I... I don't think it was a terribly bad effort. Um, I think uh, I think the effort was certainly there, but, gee, we're missing a couple of midfielders, aren't we? Well, we, we don't have the quality midfielders that the really good sides have. Um, you know, I think our, be- our best mid- midfielders, like Ben Keyes, you cannot, you cannot criticise that guy for his effort. He's outstanding no. with his effort. But he's not at the class level of the other players, and you know, with you know that he doesn't have that yeah. extra bit of time for the usage, etc. And uh, yeah. uh, that's what we've got missing those those beasts that can get the ball all the time and ha- and create time so they can deliver the ball well. And uh, you know, I think we'll, the guys we've got in there they're busting their guts, but um, yeah, we really do need a smooth moving, uh, classy player in there. And also, unfortunately. It meant our midfielders had to work more than theirs did because we had to put them up forward. Um, so they would have spent probably more time on ground than what normally would happen um, just because we lost those those forwards. Yeah, and got to send a big shout-out to the umpires too because uh, they were shit. They oh were shit, God. those umpires. Uh, it certainly had nothing to do with the result, but my God, they were inconsistent. Yeah, I, actually, I suppose it's, that really is the word, inconsistent, because sometimes a hole in the ball could be like for a fraction of a second and sometimes you could be thrown. Another one that really got me, though, was twice we got, um, and there were so many of them, where players would just sort of scoop the ball off the ground yeah. almost two-handed and it was allowed to go, except yeah. for us. Except for us, we got, we got called. I think uh, Jimmy Rowe got called for one. And there was one or two others, and Laird, they were just Laird as got for one. Yeah. that's right. Yeah, uh, and they were just as line ball as Ports. So anyway, look, was, let's start. Mm. Yeah, let's start with uh, selection because there was a couple of funny ones uh, in selection. Um, we went in, uh, or we dropped. The one that I didn't understand was Nick Murray uh, being omitted. I thought we went in a little small down back. I, it was a weird selection. I think that they outsmarted themselves, uh, actually, Nicky and Macca, because it seemed to me that um, they were banking on a wet game, which meant that they thought the ball would spend time on the ground in Port's forward line, and they were banking on our crummers in our forward line. Um, but Correct. in the end... It turned out that uh, we were far too top heavy up forward, um, and we were probably one one uh, one tall short down back. And again, I asked the question, Elliot Himmelberg, why isn't he being used a little bit more as a swingman, particularly when we're we're playing three tools up forward? Doesn't it, doesn't uh, seem to make any sense to me. 
I'm in the same camp as you, Dean. That's exactly how I saw it. Um, mm. One short, and Murray probably should have been the guy down there in the first place, but he wasn't. So uh, if he's not there, then, as you said, swing uh, Himmelberg down there because he's got size. But uh, yeah. we were definitely two tall up forward, one short down back, and no grubbers because they got injured. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, aside from that, I thought the, the selections were relatively um, predictable. The only other one, I think, I agree with what you said earlier about uh, Andrew McPherson being the sub. I didn't like that at all. Um, I would have had uh, Jones in as sub or maybe Haightley, um, but certainly not Andrew McPherson. He's too one-dimensional, and uh, what would have happened if a midfielder went down? You know, uh, we would have been shuffling the the decks pretty well whereas if we had chase or jackson in there they're a little bit more versatile can play you know small forward or back or you know run through the midfield in a pinch so and mcpherson doesn't look right again i saw him go down nick i don't know whether you noticed this but i saw him go down on the members wing and uh just gasping and clutching at those ribs i'm sure he's got a rib injury at the moment no, I agree with you there. And you think we would have learned to not play somebody who's got a niggle or an injury as the medical mm. son? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't have a niggle. I, I really would um, because uh, a couple of times he was really struggling to get up. He's struggling to move across the ground and his kicking at the moment is atrocious because I don't think he's got any explosive power on to to get any sort of separation, so he's just standing and delivering basically, and his delivery has been pretty average. So, yeah, I think I think we did ourselves a disservice at selection, um, and like I said earlier, I think we actually outsmarted ourselves at selection. I think we got a bit too cute, to be honest. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. Um, yeah, we got a right selection was wrong, as we said, for all the reasons that we have outlined already. And then, just as I said, exaggerated by the fact we lose the two smalls. And um, the other thing, of course, is we we aren't as we're not at that stage yet. We're we're skilled under pressure. We've got a lot of players that um, I think Lockie Shaw is a very good example of that. Who's normally a very skillful player, normally uses it very well. But he was one that, that I thought let himself down with his disposal a lot of the time. Obviously, I thought he let himself down a couple of times in. Contest, yeah, but well. we're not, but we're not talking about individuals, are we, mate? No, no, he's not an individual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, just a reminder if you're on uh, chat and you want to have something to say, now would be the time to stick your hand up. Um, and uh, very nice to see J Mac, our veteran Patreon patron in there if you do uh want to support the crowcast uh with a couple of bucks then uh, head along to patreon.com forward slash afl crowcast and uh any support is greatly appreciated right so um let's have a look here what have i got lined up oh no we don't want that yet uh yeah okay one thing, and it's a pity I don't see um, Lord Curry for Val in the chat, which is a real shame because, by God, Mac, did he give us a hard, give me a hard time um, last oh, week with my my oval? He was there earlier. Is he? Yeah, I can't see because I got the studio up. But if he's there, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to uh, get him to put his hand up because the extravaganza you're about to see, Macca, with this forward fifty analysis. 
is just uh, quite amazing, really quite amazing. So anyway, without further ado, I did another um, analysis of our forward 50 entries. And um, in the first quarter, it was much of the same, Macca. Um, I've just plotted them out here. I don't know whether you're watching the screen or Nikki, if you're watching the screen. Um, but a lot of red zone entries um, and more or less all of them uh, ineffective. So uh, we can see that so far two of the th first three entries were from uh, around the centre and going to about 40 metres out and they both came straight out. Um, our entries in the first quarter are actually quite woeful, <laughs> to be honest with you. There was there was no I'm method. Well, three, three of the five, uh, we only had five um, inside 50 um, entries from, from kicks in the first quarter. Three of them came from centre or behind centre, and two of them came from very, very wide. Um, only one resulted in a score, um, and only one resulted in a secondary stoppage, which I think was an out-of-bounds. So not a lot of efficiency there going forward in our first quarter. Um, from the crows and and you know for for a bit of that first quarter I thought I felt we were in the game didn't you well I did think it because we were actually uh, I thought we could we were very very competitive as you said it was just uh, when we did go forward we just didn't use it very well they they actually had a lot more inside 50s than we did but I thought we looked fairly solid at that stage and I thought could we could we but no it didn't turn out to be but uh, in that first quarter, it did encourage you enough to think it was going to be uh, a reasonable competition, uh, hopefully for most of the game, but it certainly was a, a, a reasonable competition at that stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think look, it, was, it was that pressure that got to them a bit with those entries, and, and it did continue the whole night. We started to get more entries, but I think they were mostly just as woeful. Yeah, uh, it did change. Uh, you'll see a, a substantial difference as the uh, later on in the game, Nick. Um, it's quite interesting, actually. The second quarter, you'll see that um, we actually started to get some, some, you know, that extra possession that I've been talking about. It started to happen a little bit. We were actually entering forward fifty from uh, forward of centre a little bit more often. Uh, you can see there the first two entries. One resulted in. Um, uh, a snap from a stoppage. The other one uh, was a, um, a sort of a run-in shot. Um, but then we kind of fell back to our old tactics again and everything was short and bombed in high. Um, and you can see there that we just got absolutely no value at all from those short inside uh, 50 attempts. So... Uh, you know, it, a lot of struggle for not much reward, and that seemed to be that seemed to be the theme for the night, Mac. A lot of struggle for not much reward. Yeah, I can't. You've nailed it down very neatly because too many shallow entries again. Or if we went deep, we had no crummers. Um, there was a lot of effort, heaps of heaps of effort, and I can't accuse the team of not trying, but. Um, as you say, not much result for a, a lot of effort. Yeah. Okay. PJ so makes it – sorry, go on, Nick. I was just going to say that it, um, you contrast it with 
the way Port were bringing in the entries because we were supplying a good good amount of pressure on them as well. But yep. their kicks into their forward 50 were always to the advantage of their forward, whereas yep. as good point, Nick. to a spot, but not to where the forward was moving or if it was the, the forward had moved, it was always to his opponent. And that's what yep. frustrated me about them. Yep. Um, generally speaking, I didn't plot ports because uh, who could be bothered with that? But um, from my observation... There, they were generally a little bit more settled going into forward 50 and uh, they generally had a little bit of separation and that's because they were using uh, link-up plays a little bit more than we were. Uh, there's a couple of things that I'll touch on in a minute, but we'll just run through. So the third quarter, you can see that first one was ridiculous. Um, but as soon as... See, it, it stands up. As soon as we get an entry... From the green zone into the green zone, we get a scoring opportunity. It just about in every one that we uh, that we get from forward of centre and into the sort of forward thirty five, it it results in something. Whether it's a scoring opportunity or a secondary shot, a secondary stoppage, uh, it something happens. But whenever we go in short. Uh, or or we go in from too deep, and so the ball sits on someone's head shallow. at forty meters out. Um, just nothing. So you can see there we had in the third quarter we had um, thirteen entries from um, uh, from disposals uh, rather than just run in, and you can see that the majority of the ones that went deep into the thirty five result we had four scoring shots as a result. Uh, one secondary and only two came back out, you know. So it the whole thing stands up. And again, going in from so deep or so wide, we had four entries from the outer wing um, that were just completely ineffective. And I remember watching the video and they're just sitting on people's heads. And you'll see from a little bit of footage that I've cut up after this um, that it just there was no method to it whatsoever. Uh, the last quarter... Uh, was probably our most effective in terms of our forward 50 entries. Um, we were coming in from far closer to the forward 50. Um, I don't think we actually had any from the red zone um, in the last quarter. And you can see that we were going in far deeper in that last quarter. And in terms of output, uh, whoops, in terms of output, our um, the result for effort was a lot better, even though we only had seven inside 50s from disposals in that last quarter. Six of them stuck. They either were they either resulted in, in scoring opportunities or secondary um, uh, secondary stoppages. And, of course, two of those were almost Riley Thilthorpe marks. In fact, one of them I thought could have been paid, actually, the last one. Um, but so we were So we were far more effective... Um, in that last quarter. And so, you know, I'm going to keep tracking this because I think it stands up. The more we use our, um, use that, that second possession or that just that one more link in the chain, the more effective our forward 50 entries are. And I'll just flick to a bit of video if I can work out my little, um, my little, uh, buttons here.
All right. So this is the first quarter, and this is the first two or three uh, Ford 50 entries, and you can see that they're, they're all banged in from the centre, and, you know, we mustn't have been expecting them because the only people that were actually there were Port Place. <laughs> bang, bang, bang into the Ford 50. Um, you know, not a lot of show for effort there um, oh, one in of the that first that quarter. We mm. we actually were playing an extra player as, as, uh, on the ball, which means we were always a, a forward light, which is one of the problems we had. So the minute we banged it in there, we were one player down automatically. And uh, yeah, but the, the thing games, is, Mac, we, we had three tools, and those midfielders. Once we start banging the ball in, they should have been rushing into the forward line to provide a crumb. Not arguing with you. I'm just saying that's that we, yeah. they don't, but, uh, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why we were short. Yeah. So this one here, this is in the second quarter, and this is probably the first time we've actually tried to chain it into the forward line. Himmelberg, who um, a lot of people bagged again this week, but I thought he was very good below his knees this week, um, giving off the handball um, and another handball to Barry, who, you know, unfortunately couldn't finish it off, as is the case with him at the moment. You can see this one here from Harry. Uh, there's just no point to this kick. You know, he's kicking it from from sort of centre wing and it's just bombing in and have a look at the pack here who's there i don't know whether you guys are watching it but have a look at that we've got riley tilthorpe at the front we've got himmelberg behind and we've got tex jumping over the top what is the bloody point in that none but i'll tell you why that happens macker and and i went and watched um cam's country footy game uh, on saturday um, during the day he wasn't playing but we sat in the outer and we were watching and it was a classic case of one team that were willing to spread the ball and another team that were going up and down the line and Adelaide were playing single lane football all night until the last quarter really and well, what happens when you're playing single lane football is that your forwards bunch up and and this what I've freeze framed on the screen right there is exactly the outcome you get when you don't spread the ball. Well, that's one of my greatest things I harp on every week, that we don't, our forwards just don't spread. And uh, if you ever want to get a back line into trouble and they start to panic is when you've got forwards all over the place and you leave them one-on-one. -on -one. Even the leader, yeah. he panics when he's one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, yeah uh, but Macker, it's not the forwards' fault for not spreading. No, It's I not the forwards' fault. No, and you're right. Port Adelaide did it uh, differently. They brought it in from all different angles, and uh, that made them that helped them to isolate it. And at least, as I said before, if they could kick it to the advantage of their player, whereas yep. we're just kicking it to a mass. And, and you're right. Yep. If you do that straight down the guts thing and without any variation, well, you, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. A forward is a forward, and they're going to run to the drop of the ball. But if when you're playing one lane football. There's only one. There's only a very small space that the opposition have to defend, because it's coming straight at them, right? Whereas if the ball's being spread, which is what Port Adelaide did quite well, and which uh, GWS did the previous week as well, is getting that separation and um, changing lanes. If you imagine the oval being three lanes, you know, two wings and and the corridor. Changing lanes allows the forwards to get separation from their opponent. It confuses the defence and it provides more one-on-one -on -one contests. But if you're playing up and down a single lane like we did for 
large parts of uh, the game, this is the outcome. Anyway, I'll keep going. Um, but and just on that, and the the reason what what Port were doing is they were also then chipping it around that top of the the fifty up or hundred percent, Nick. And till they could get that separation happening, and that relies on a midfield working hard. Yes, hundred percent, Nick. Yeah, good get. point. 100%. Well, I mean, look, it hurt us that we that we lost Murphy and McHenry because it, it gave us fewer options and obviously the boys fatigued, et cetera, et cetera. But this is fairly early on in the game uh, and it was happening in the first quarter um, before those two lads went down. So, um, you know, uh, and it's something that we were doing very well in the first couple of weeks is uh, using chains and try to spread the ball wide. When we do change lanes, it's very slow. Um, there's no aggression uh, with our ball movement. When we do, we, we seem very hesitant um, and have gone back into our shells. So it's hopefully something that uh, uh, Nixie and the boys will work on. I'll just keep running through here. Um, see... This one here, that's perfect. You can see Tilthorpe has got the ball at true centre-half forward or just ahead of centre-half forward. Now, in many cases, he would have turned, like our players would have just turned, gone back and thumped it forward. But he's gone wide and he's changed lanes and found yeah. that outside player as a result. And it actually results, if, if Scholl had actually hit that properly... You know, um, he should have actually kicked it over Ali's head straight into Himmelbird's uh, lap, but he tried to hit up short, and as a consequence, it bounced out. But you can see the separation there in our forward line compared to the previous one, where it's all one-on-one -on -one contests. There's, uh, our forwards have got separation from their opponents, and it was purely just a bad kick from Scholl that cost us from having a shot at goal in that particular one. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, this is another one. Uh, Paul Seedsman, and we'll go through ind individuals in a minute, um, he got another uh, excellent... Uh, he had an excellent game in terms of disposals and metres gained and all the rest of it. But there's two sides to Paul Seedsman, and this is the bad side. Because you see, he gets he gets the give, and unfortunately it's just a bit out of frame there. But the, you can see the space, and I wish I had a little marker there, but you can see the space at the 45 degree angle about 70 metres out and there's a couple of blokes in there that should be running into that space for the short but instead there's not and Seedsman hits the ball into basically a dead zone 50 metres out and if it wasn't for Rose Academy Award you know we would have we wouldn't have even uh, got a free it would have just been out of bounds so that's the bad Seedsman and that's probably 50% of his disposals I reckon um, he does not. He does not hit up short targets. Um, and to be fair to him, on that occasion, there wasn't a short target for him to hit up. This next one again from Hamill, the absolutely pointless kick. There's no one there, and he's expecting Tex starting from seven or eight meters behind Cleary to outrun him into the forward line. Instead, he could have actually held onto the ball and allowed Tex to to uh, do a double lead and hit him up on the inside. Just just a, a wasteful uh, effort when we had the run of the play and an open forward 50. 
remember being very frustrated at that one. And that's what Tex was actually doing really well at the start of the season. And I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit is that we are rushing those entries in. Yeah. Yeah, but I think the thing is also I, I didn't want to say it because I was thinking it, but I didn't want to individualise Fiend. But that your comments <laughs> about uh, Siegeman in particular, I thought he was the main culprit in that bombing into that that because uh, yeah. as you said, excellent at getting the ball, excellent in terms of the distance gain, but yeah. useless where the ball was directed. Yep. Yeah. 100% Mac. Uh, here's another one from Seed. Um, and you can see on the left, he's actually, that time, he's actually looked for someone and kicked it to Texas' advantage. And it's gone deeper into it. Rather than kicking it from behind centre and getting it to 45 metres out, they've actually run through the middle and kicked it to a, a hotter zone, the 35 metres out, and he's actually kicked it to Tex's advantage. And as a consequence, Riley gets his first goal after a good handball from Tex. So that's the difference. That's the good seedsman. So here's another one here. And this is, again, this is a great attack on the ball from Fogarty. Um, but we had some runners. So you can see here we've got, We've got Sloney to the left. We've got Seisman on the outside, and I think that's Schoenberg uh, ahead. And uh, there's no poor players in a defensive position at the moment. So rather than kick the ball, Rose done the right thing by seeking out the handball, and we've been able to chain it. And Seisman again has kicked it to the advantage of Tilthorpe. So Seisman had one of those games, didn't he, where he got a lot of the ball. He was He's definitely our link player at the moment, but... When he looks for somebody, he's very good, but often he doesn't. Oh, well, yeah, here's another one. With, about 50% of the time, as you say. Yeah. So there's only a couple left. Here's one with Sloney and, again, the handballed seedsman and had that – I think it just got pushed as he, as he kicked it. Um, otherwise, that would have been another uh, good pass. So – you know, three good efforts from Seisman, and you could see we'll have a look at his inside 50 stats in a minute, but um, uh, he was quite good there. So, and then we're back into the bomb, and you can see the difference. There's two two to one port. Um, it's not kicked to the advantage of, of Tilthorpe, and, you know, it just gets led away. Now, this was probably, I reckon, our best passage of play for the night because. Most of the night, this is in the last quarter, I think, most of the night we would have got the ball from here and kicked it in long. But you can see that this is an example of changing lanes. Rather than kicking it down to that half-forward line, um, Mac, we've gone inside. Brody Smith's hit up a target. But, an, but again, instead of just turning around and bombing it in from there, which we did for a, a lot of the night, again, we change lanes again. So Seedsman, again, has got the ball. And not the right kick, in my opinion. He was probably having a shot for goal. Uh, Tex did the right thing by trying to clear space for Tilthorpe. But it was just the method that we went in was far better when we were chaining handballs rather than just bombing it from behind centre. Yes, sure once you start running it in with a chain uh, of handballs, the defenders are they're at a loss because they're not sure where and when it's going to be kicked or where it's going to be kicked to but where is it yeah. once you once you start running forward and you and they can see you're going to bomb it they've got plenty of time to get set 
well, they know where the ball's going to go. And as I said, it's yeah. a far smaller, smart, far smaller area to defend when you know where the ball's going to go. It's when there's separation and and width um, up ahead of you that a defender doesn't know whether it's going to go left or right. The forwards always got the advantage in that situation. Here's another good chain uh, with uh, McKay uh, getting off a good handball, and again going wide there. Now Sloney probably should have had someone hitting up there and I don't know why Tex was leading into the middle of the ground instead of straight straight at Rory in that one but uh, anyway but again another example of changing lanes to get separation um, I'm not sure whether that's the last one oh, one more again you can see they're changing lanes and then cutting back through the middle and again probably not the right kick um, going in but at least it was giving ourselves an opportunity. So, yeah, so, look, it wasn't terrible after quarter time, uh, but you can certainly see the difference between when we move the ball well into our forward 50 and when we kick the ball in from behind centre. And I must admit, I don't remember Port Adelaide hitting up many forward 50 entries from from behind centre. Do you, do you guys? No, they, they, they tend to move the ball around sideways, backwards and all around the place uh, yeah. and try and get possession of it until they get that opportunity, as Nicky said before, to kick it to the advantage of their forward and you know, yeah. give the forward uh, a real chance to run on it and grab it um, rather than being in a pack. Because once you move the ball around... Um, and change directions. All of a sudden, it puts the this uh, defender at a huge disadvantage. Yeah, and hundred uh, percent. Port, Port did it. We didn't. We did it a couple of times, yep. as you've illustrated, but um, not enough. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's that they do that around the fifty, whereas we often that's where we're trying to hit up sometimes. Yeah, our forwards. Yeah. And, and trying to trying to hit up a sixty meter pass to a leading forward is is just impossible, uh, particularly in those conditions. So, uh, and so yeah. Anyway, look, let's um, move on from that, and uh, I'll just bring up the head to head stats here, and we can have a look at those. So, disposals uh, we were heavily out disposed by Port four eighteen to three thirty uh, disposals. Uh, nearly well 60 more kicks and about 36 more handballs so um disposal efficiency was down from both teams obviously because of the weather um but Paul Port had it far more often than what we did we uh we struggled i think at one stage uh we only had like about 33% of the play for one of those quarters um Efficiency inside 50, as you can see, and this is what we've just illustrated, um, Port 30 shots from 63 inside 50s. We had 13 shots from 49 inside 50s. Um, and, you know, we don't need to keep um, spending time on that stat because uh, it was self-evident, really. 27% efficiency inside 50 is just woeful. Uh, and look, Mac and Nikki, if it was the coaches strategy to uh, set up that way and to kick in long, uh, even notwithstanding the fact that we lost two crummers, I, hopefully that stat there shows them that it's not the way to go. 
I think common sense tells you it's not the way to go. Um, yeah, since time immemorial, it's not the way to go. And uh, yeah, but, so it just and, and I know we had a huge disadvantage. We didn't have the crumbers, but uh, they're still, as you say, they've got to move the ball around a little bit before they bring it in, if, rather than straight down the guts all the time and do the long bomb to the group. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, just to those on YouTube, the restream bot actually feeds the chat from Discord into YouTube so you guys can see what's going on. So that's why it bobs up so often. Uh, free kicks, 18 to 21 in Adelaide's favour. That shocks me. Um, but uh, 39 free kicks on a slippery night isn't a hell of a lot. And uh, I reckon they missed no, a hell of a lot, to be perfectly honest with you. Definitely. I, I would have thought, yeah, at they could have gone when it's wet like that. There are a lot of errors made in terms of tackles, etc. So, yeah, it really should have been a lot more. But the, the other thing is that you know, as, as I said, I, I got so angry about the fact we went for handball scoop type thing and they were throwing it, whatever, doing whatever they like, and never got pinged. I, yeah, we are, we are not an umpire's favorite team, no. Not at the moment. Uh, stoppages, uh, 42 to 32, uh, I thought Rob got destroyed by Lysett. Um, clearances, Absolute 44 to match. 38, um, 11 to 7 in the centre and 33 to 31 around stoppage. Um, we kind of cleaned it up uh, at around stoppage after quarter time. Um, but, uh, yeah, we... Their clearances were far more effective than ours, and I ran out of time. I was going to do a little bit of work on effective clearances, but our clearances, by and large, were ineffective. They were just hat kicks to nowhere, or you know, uh, whereas they were actually setting up play from a lot of their stoppage clearances. So, not only yeah, did they was, win that was, stat, but they were far more effective with it. It was give it to Lady so we can kick it straight up in the air, almost under um, <laughs> immense pressure. Pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Whereas theirs was actually a loose player out the back who had time and space. Yes, 100%, Nick, 100%. Uh, possessions? Oh, oh, go on, Mac. No, sorry, I was just going to say that particular structure that uh, Nicky quite rightly pointed out, we have been vulnerable from, from to that particular structure from time immemorial. Mm. I mean, even when we were a good side, we'd still allow somebody around out the back there on their own and they'd just uh, clear it, so... It's at the moment, it's even more exaggerated because we're not a good side. Mm, that's right. Uh, possessions, contested possessions, 170 to 159 in Port's favour. They certainly won ground ball. Uh, uncontested possessions, 235 to 145, shows just how difficult it was for us to actually get our hands on it. And when we did get our hands on it, we uh, turned it over a bit, 91 to 81. You can see the possession heat map there um, as well, showing that, you know, the previous week um, we were pushed back quite heavily. Um, that wasn't the case. There was a lot of play played between the arcs, um, you know. And our, I felt overall our defence held up pretty well, um, considering. Um, but uh, it just shows that we were ineffective trying to get the ball forward. Um, uh, Port were able to bounce off their half back line, and you can see a, a lot of. Um, a lot of possession there across half-back for Port because that's where our entries were going. Um, you oh, know, first quarter. Sorry, go on, Nick. Uh, I was just going to say that essentially you're right. I thought our defence did hold up pretty well when you consider the amount of pressure they were on constantly. There was no respite for them. 
no wrist blockers just coming in no, so, that's so true. often. Yeah. And often delivered pretty well. So uh, given that, you know, they, they've all probably had bad moments, but they overall, uh, I thought they they really fought it out pretty well. Yeah, agree, yeah. mate. And you, you can see as I flick through the um, the quarters on that heat map um, how in the first quarter we struggled and we were getting uh, a lot of ball in our back half. Um, but after quarter time, it in general play, we were amongst it. Uh, it's a lot of ball around the centre of the ground. Um, it was just our forward 50s. Like, have a look at that last quarter there and see how bunched those forward 50 entries are. It's, it's quite unbelievable. So... Um, for the match, uh, time in possession, 48% to port, 33% tells the tale of the tape, really. Um, we just couldn't get our hands on it. Marks, 84 to 46, which is ref- reflective, I guess, of their uncontested possession count. Uh, marks inside 50, though, given that we went in with a tall forward line, 12 to 2, um, and they weren't all big contested marks. Charlie took a couple. Um, but a lot of them were were passes to advantage uh, in those twelve marks inside yeah. fifty. They were lead ups, mm. straight at yep. straight at the kicker. Yep, um, they beat us in the air comprehensively, thirteen to five contested marks, uh, ninety one to eighty one intercepts. Uh, we didn't spend any time in front uh, tackles, eighty five to seventy six, not good enough. And again, a very low inside fifty tackle count, not helped by uh, Murphy and. McHenry uh, being off the ground for the majority of the game, but uh, you know, blokes just have to stack uh, to stand up in those circumstances, and the ball just came out of our back, our forward fifty far too easily. Um, so that's the uh, that's the head to head stats. Um, it, it it pretty much tells the story, doesn't it? Oh yeah, and it does because they just had more of the ball. They used it better, and that's that's probably sums it up very nicely. That's what it, what it boils down to. Yeah. Now yeah, we've got a, a going style of play. Yes. Now we've got a few people um, in the live audience there. If any of you want to come on and have something to say, um, you're quite welcome to. Don't wait for a break in. In the show, just stick your hand up and I'll slot you in when we've got a moment. Um, happy to have anyone who wants to share their opinions to, to get on and uh, have something to say. Um, yeah, let's have a look at some individuals while we're uh, waiting for someone who might want to come in. Um, look, I personally thought Laird was probably our best overall not so much for effectiveness but just for work rate i felt like he was our our hardest working most consistent player over four quarters oh yeah he was certainly one of three um and they all had their pluses and they all had their minuses because i'd i'd throw in um as candidates uh, alongside lead and i'm not saying it wasn't lead You'd have to throw Keys and Seisman alongside him, and and hundred uh, percent. And then people would argue uh, that one of them was some might argue it was Seisman, some might say it was Keys, and some might say it was Laird. And they're all probably right because you know opinion is uh, an individual thing, you know. Um, so, well, I, I, I'd be happy if it was Laird. I'd be happy if it was Seisman, and I'd be happy if it was Keys because I thought they they were the three, and I found it very hard to split them. Yeah. Um, 
Now, J&M on the YouTube chat has asked if we have a phone number to call. Um, if you could see the state of my desk at the moment with phones and cords and shit going everywhere, <laughs> there's not a chance in hell that I'm going to have a phone as well. Um, the way to get on and have a chat, as 1990 is about to do, uh, is to get onto our Discord server and join the uh, live studio. And uh, we've got a um, we've got a voice channel there. So if, you, if you're listening in on a phone, you can come straight in. And speaking of coming straight in, 1990 Crow, how are you going? I'm um, good, Phoenix. How are you going? How are you going, Marco and Nicky? Uh, good, good to see you come on, mate. What do you got to tell us? Uh, not a lot. Just uh, the one point I just wanted to call up to have a chat to you guys about was just the fact that we seem to be playing a lot of injured players at the moment, and it seems to be pretty consistent with the way that our club has managed um, playing players when they've got you know little niggles and yeah. or sort of long-term niggles. Um, it seems to be seems to have happened for as long as I can remember, um, and it's not just the senior blokes that they're, they're doing to this season. I've I've noticed they seem to be saying, "Oh, we need to get our young guys to to learn to play with niggles um, because that's what we what we what they value at the club." I remember there was a there was an interview. I can't remember who it was. Might have been three or four weeks ago, where they said, "Oh, we've got a, quite a few young guys." Um, carrying injuries, but that's that's good that they're learning how to mm. do that. And that's no, yeah. I, I, and I just I'm just completely just when I heard that I just got quite quite annoyed uh, because that's just we're in a rebuild at the moment and we need to be managing these guys. I've got five or six guys in the SANFL that could be given a go um, and play playing people like McPherson who are clearly injured is not helping. Yeah, couldn't understand the McPherson selection at all. Um, 1990. I it just did it from a from a team balance point of view, but also from the fact that he's out of form and obviously struggling with some sort of injury. I just didn't get it. Um, you know, uh, Chase is starting to come on. He had 30 touches in the sample, I believe. Uh, so probably good to get yeah, that four quarter run. Um, but I felt uh, I felt we probably could have played Worrell instead of DMAC in the starting lineup and had DMAC as uh, the medical sub um, because you know at least with DMAC you're going to get some run and effort um, which is quite valuable late in games. So I, I think they outsmarted themselves, mate. I, I don't think they got that one right at all. And uh, the other point... All you have to do is look at Brown's performance. Now we absolutely slammed Brown... Um, the Hawthorne game quite rightly because he seemed to be playing yep. injured and he just couldn't do anything. They gave him that little bit of time off. He got himself right. He came back in and that was the Brown of old. Oh, he played yep. a very good game, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Sorry. That's going to be the thing I was going to say. He, he, Brown was um, looking quite quite poor compared to his usual standard prior to his injury as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if he'd been carrying something as well. Um, and he's come back in this week, and he was back to his best. Um, and other example, Travis Boat had a week off last week and come, comes in and wins the showdown medal. Well, you, you know, I think you raised an excellent argument, ninety ninety, and there's no argument, and there's no uh, uh, way that you're incorrect either. Um, the only thing I will say about this, I don't believe we're the only club that does it. Um, oh, for sure. And that's, you know, the the. 
clubs persist in trying to play injured players, saying, yeah, he's about 90% fit. He'll be all right. Mm. But he won't be all right. You're not going mm. to get 100% out of him. And uh, uh, we are one of the ones that are very guilty. I think most clubs do it. Uh, every time they do it, they pay the price generally. Um, so um, your point is an excellent point. It's a valid point. And I would think the club would be much better off if they, and we're talking about the Crows here, if they only played players when they were 100% right. I mean, I can understand if they got a little, little niggle and, and only a minor one, but we're playing with them yeah. like they're playing with major niggles. And, uh, yeah. and the that always... That, the, re- that yeah, the, re- the reason that annoys me so much is that this, you know, this rebuild's going to take at least two or three more seasons to get the quantity of games that we need into the guys that have got, you know, between 0 and 20 games currently who are going to be the the key pillars of our rebound back into finals contention. And we need to get as many games into them, quality games, not just games where they're sort of just... Yeah, 100%. Around and, ...and only getting sort of half of what they could be doing because they're not getting confidence out of it. Mm. Yeah. Well, excellent, um, an excellent call, 99. You've done well, mate. Yeah, you get the uh, Sammy's uh, meat voucher so far. Nineteen ninety, you're the uh, you're the front runner, the best of one so far. But no, look, we do appreciate you coming on, mate. You got anything else before I uh, kick out? Not really. I just think I'd, it'd be good to um, see a, a few of the young guys get a go next week. You know, O'Connor, hundred percent, Jones. Um, Warrell was a little bit down, but, you know, he's been up for five or six weeks, so I would still like to see him get another go. Yeah. The only comment I'd like to make about that meat, that meat voucher is a mythical meat voucher, Fiend should have said. Mac <laughs> <laughs> is not giving up any of his prizes ever. Maybe, no. maybe, maybe, no. maybe, it's, maybe it's a vegan. I'm a part-time vegan. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, we no. might get one of Mac's letterboxes and give that away. Oh, plenty of people have done he's, that. He's lost, he's lost that. I don't know how he's going to give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Look, thanks for coming on. Uh, always great to have a chat. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your support. See you guys. See you. It's just that easy, isn't it, Nikki and Macca? If you've got something to say, um, a, a bit dark at 1990 because he makes a bit of sense. And as I've said previously, yeah. that makes us look like shit. So uh, just relax, 1990. <laughs> just, you know. But to, to be fair, talk. how many years have we been doing this feed and we make ourselves look like shit on a regular basis? <laughs> and people keep listening, idiots. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to some individuals. Uh, so Letty had 36 touches, 16 kicks, 20 handballs, uh, five tackles, uh, a lot of work through the middle of the ground, as you can see there with the tracker. Um, disposal efficiency, a little bit down, but I reckon that would have been probably across the board um, that people would have been down. Um, 21 contested possessions, so is excellent. I thought his work rate was excellent. He only turned it over five times out of all of that. Six intercept possessions, um, only six score involvements, but we didn't have a lot of scores, so that's not too bad. Uh, didn't take a mark. 27 pressure acts and 341 metres gained with six clearances um, and five tackles. So, I don't know, I, we had a lot of tries, and I think, in my opinion, anyway, Lady tried the hardest for longest, if that makes sense. And I can remember, you know, one of the reasons about uh, some of his efficiency disposal is the fact that 
a lot of his possessions in the centre, as you said, they were contested and possessions, mm. and he had people all over him. So the very fact that he got yep. a kick away was, was very, very well done by him. So Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah, it is going to be very hard to beat him when you think about it because he, he did get a lot of hard ball. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look at Seed um, because he did a lot right. Um, 29 disposals, including 22 kicks, which is what you want from your distributor. Seven handballs, four marks, two tackles, kicked a point. Um, and you can see there from, from the heat map, just everything across that wing. He was very much our link man. Um, and that's going to be found out pretty soon. Someone's going to start sitting on him shortly. Uh, you know, played pretty much 50-50 across the ground. Uh, only 52% disposal efficiency, though, and that's that's the key, isn't it? That's what we've been talking a little bit about tonight. Um, 11 contested possessions, 18 uncontested, 9 turnovers, um, 6 score involvements, uh, one, un- uh, 1 contested, 3 uncontested mark, um, 20 pressure acts, 817 metres gained is excellent if you use the ball well. Five stoppage clearances. He was a bit of an outlet man in around stoppage, which was good. Uh, nine inside fifties, which is excellent. Um, you know, I, he's in a good patch of form. Seed. Uh, we just, in, as I, I don't want to bang on about it, but I just like to see him use the ball better, um, more consistently. Can't argue with any of that. Just, just watching the game. Um... At the end of it, I actually thought he was our best player because mm. you just you noticed him a lot more. And and you're right, we're getting that consistency for him. This is what now four or five weeks in a row. Yeah, and that's great. And I think they are trying to sit on him, but he seems to have found a way to work around that, um, which is a, another really nice step forward for him. I I can't believe that the the lad one that he didn't have as many turnovers. I think they don't count it if it goes up and it just becomes another stoppage. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's essentially what happened with a lot of lads. So yeah. whilst those stats actually look great, I didn't think he was as effective, even though, yes, we got burnt by some of Seedsman's disposals. I just felt that Seed was more effective in being proactive. Um, yeah. And for me, I would, I would have Seed ahead of Lamb. But that's just Ahead of opinion. Yeah. No, 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 that's quite all right. A um, couple of others that we'll touch on. Um, Benny Keys uh, won't spend too long on these. 20 touches, 11 and 9. Uh, eight tackles. I think he had seven tackles up until half time. Um, uh, disposal efficiency down. It's something that he's got to continue to work on. 15 contested possessions. Only three uncontested possessions. And Macca. I know we love Benny Keys because he goes in and gets the ball, but I think Ben's got to actually learn what to do when he doesn't have the ball in open play because he's one of the blokes that we need to be making those little diagonal 45-metre options, in my opinion. It's a very good point, Fee. Um Very good point because uh, he... Well, he's building himself a game, and that's something he's got to add to his game if he wants to go to yep. another level again. Yep. 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 Uh, and, but you can't fold his of, effort. And I'll just say that Geese needs to learn that he's not the one that does the um, half a metre handball to Letty, who has a player directly on him, and make Letty do the game. <laughs> 
Uh, five turnovers from Ben, uh, three score involvements, a couple of marks, uh, 33 pressure acts, which is what we've come to expect from him. Six clearances, uh, eight tackles, as I mentioned, two inside 50s. So he does a lot of work between the arcs. Um, I, you know, obviously his disposal and just his. I'd like to see him get a little bit more ball on the outside and providing that option. Um, but, you know, always 100% effort from Ben. Um, quickly on Sloney, I uh, thought it wasn't a bad return. Uh, copped a knock too, which was a bit of a worry early on. Uh, 20 disposals, 13 and 7, 10 tackles, um, 1 goal, 2. Um, played forward and back, not a lot of midfield output. 60% disposal efficiency, 9 contested possessions, um, kicked goal and had 6 score involvements, 4 marks including that one in the last quarter up front, which was good. 30 pressure, 30 pressure acts, um, 284 metres gained, uh, 3 stoppage clearances, um, not a bad return, really. He's been out a few weeks. Not a bad return straight back into the team on, on a night like that. When he, you was up... third, he was my third best ahead of Keys. Yeah, no, you're probably right, uh, Nicky. You know, it, I mean, there wasn't so much... There wasn't a great margin between our best players, and uh, I, I thought that... Uh, yeah, probably right in reflection that he may well have been ahead of uh, Keys because uh, he hadn't played for about three, what, three, four games he's missed. And to come straight back into a, a really tough game like that and a copper nasty knock right near his eye as he did. But uh, he, he's an amazing guy. He, there's not much of him, but geez, he's tough. I, I liked his game, actually. Yeah. Now, uh, a couple of tweeners I want to touch on, if you don't mind. Um, Harris Schomburg took a bit of a step, I felt, Um he was amongst it a little bit more, uh, probably forced to play a few more midfield minutes. And um, particularly in the second quarter, I thought it was really good. And then uh, a few good touches in the last. He had 19 disposals, 10 and 9, uh, five tackles, um, 63% disposal efficiency. But 13 contested possessions is really good for Harry. Um Turn it over a little bit. Uh, two score involvements, uh, 17 pressure acts, 239 metres gained, but he had the four stoppage clearances, um, four inside 50s. I just felt like he was a little bit more noticeable during the course of the match and was playing a little bit more through the midfield this week. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's, a, he's a young player learning his trade, and uh, I thought, you know, given the fact that this is a real pressure game and against a very good side, I thought his performance wasn't too bad. Somebody pointed out there was a ridiculous one where he handballed the ball back into oh, play. Oh, that, 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 that was bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was that, one bad one. It, it was a, an absolute howler, that one. Because they, um, they get a goal out of it. Yeah, um, but, you know, Harry's in, he's learning and uh, he's learning in, in the big league and I think he is taking some steps forward thing. He's starting to get a little, yeah. a little bit more of the, of the ball each game he plays. And to get the number of uh, touches he did in this particular game, I think it was a reasonable effort. Yeah. And yeah. as we talked we talked about in the chat on the night, um, <laughs> he kind of, he went, he got tired and, and he went missing. And I think that's when we needed him around still a bit. And that's just him getting that tank up to mm. speed as he needs to, to spend more time in the midfield. But, 
when he was yeah. in there, some of those clearances were really nice. And I liked yeah. that they were playing him on as well on port. They, like, you know, they put him on wines. At one stage he was um, a little bit with um, Boak, but I think they kept very more on him. So it was great yeah. to actually them to say, this is what you need to be playing like. This is who you need to be following and learn from. So that's yeah. what I was really pleased to see. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt he needs a tank, Harry. Um, he's a long way off it in terms of being able to run out a full game in the midfield. But uh, if we can get little cameos like that and also get some output up forward, um, I think uh, for this season, while he works on his fitness, I think that'll be a good outcome. Uh, now, Darcy Fogarty, um, 10 disposals, six, 6 kicks, 4 handballs, 3 tackles, um, kicked a goal, which was Thilthorpe's goal really, 80% disposal efficiency, uh, six contested possessions, three turnovers, which seems rather high when he's gone 80% disposal efficiency. I don't think these stats are ever right. Three score involvements, um, only eight pressure acts, only 163 metres gained, one centre clearance. Uh, how'd you see it? He's a, he's a bit of a conundrum what to do with him, really. Um I think he had 12 disposals, and that's probably good for him because he's generally less than that. Um, he's got, look, he's got he's got ability, but to me, he he really is a forward, and we've got this problem with the forward line that you can't you can only have so many players there, and he doesn't get a lot of it. Um, if he is, if they're going to persevere with in with him in the middle, um, so be it, but they, they they must get some a lot more weight off him if he's going to stay in the middle because he is still carrying plenty of weight, and that means if you've got plenty of weight, you can't run the game out properly as a mid. So he's, he's not, not, he's not carrying big. he's not carrying excessive weight, Macca. He's not. It's a furphy what you keep going on about. Absolute furphy. Well, he doesn't run a lot. No, but that's got nothing to do with. He's not carrying like if you're talking about. Him not being fit, that's not the case. Uh, what I'm saying is he's not fit enough to be a, fit, a midfielder because he doesn't run enough. Well, it, well, is or that is fitness? Is that fitness or is that um, the fact that he hasn't got enough pace or is it the fact that he ball watches or is it a, just the sheer fact that he is not a midfielder? It might be that he's just not a midfielder. Um, it's worthy of a try, but... Um, in the end, it'll probably, it may well prove that he's not uh, a midfielder, but he is very, very heavy in the league, so there's those still faint. And um, yeah, well, I, we wouldn't play text. We wouldn't play tech. We wouldn't. No, no, no. I'm not like you. You keep implying that he's overweight and unfit, and that's simply not the case. I'm not saying that he's not heavy in the legs and all the rest of it. That's that's evident, but. It's not because he's not fit. He's actually he's stripped very fit this year. Um, it's just his body. And I'm going along with what I keep saying time and time and time and time again. He's not a midfielder. He's a forward. And we're either going to waste him or we're going to have a look at Texas' performance over the last two or three weeks and say, Tex, you need a rest and we need to see what Darcy's got. And he's a lead-up forward and that is bloody that. And what I'll say, though, for this week, he was a lot more involved. Um, I Definitely. I, I thought it was a really nice, it was a good step forward for him with the way that he was being used. 
Um, and I thought his movement up forward was actually quite good. Uh, he was one of the few that doesn't fly when the others do. Um, and will actually stay down. Um, and I thought some of his work around the stoppage was actually quite good. He was still getting that little bit caught and he's trying to bullock his way through, but I think mm. we needed that bigger body in there at times. Um, uh, but the, but the, you're right, there are some issues at AFL level mm. for him as a midfielder. Yeah. And if you want a big body, then there's Ronan O'Connor, who is exactly. a midfielder. Exactly, 100%, Nick. Uh, the thing that shows me that... The thing that shows me that, uh, not that I needed any proof, but another example of why Darcy Fogarty is a, is a brute of a lead-up forward was the attack of the ball that he put... Um, um, uh, yeah. No, 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 not that one. The one that I showed I on, the, the, on the video, one. I think it was I think yeah. it was in the, uh, in the third quarter where he's, he's straight-lined the ball, taken the body, got his arms free, given off a, a handball, and it's ended up being uh, Riley Tilthorpe's uh, mark. From Seisman. That's what Darcy Ford, Fogarty can do on the lead. He can hit up hard, he can take a body, he can take someone out of the play, and he can get his arms free and dish off if he doesn't mark. He is a bloody lead up forward, and I'm sick to freaking death with seeing the poor kid being forced to play in every other position except the one that he's supposed to be playing simply because Tex will not give in. Well, that is the problem. That You're really going back to the core of the problem now, why they're trying to reinvent him elsewhere, because for the very point you just made, um, uh, it is basically... If, if, we're going to get, if we're going to plan for the future and for the next three, four years, Tex is not in it. And no, we, I mean, he's not. At, and we said that at the end of last year. That uh, Correct. If we're going to get, plan for the long-term future, we really don't play Tex this year. Now... Texas had a great start to the year and all the rest of it, but it really isn't part of the long-term future. No. And, you know, it was all very nice for Texas to have that good run early um, when the game was pretty much set up for him. Um, but we're back to playing AFL football now. Uh, everyone's recalibrated with these new rules. There's not those free lanes to run into anymore. Uh, we're not moving the ball as well because... we're Exactly, Nikki. Coaches aren't idiots. You know, they weren't going to let, you know, 15 to 13 goal games happen. It just wasn't never going to happen. Never will happen. They got shit for brains if they think they're going to open the game up like that. So we're back We're back to AFL football, and Texas shown over the last couple of years that he does not have the agility or the flexibility to be able to play at this level anymore. And it was a lovely little cameo to see the techs of old in the first couple of games. But we need to be thinking about the future. And Macca, what you said is 100% right. Tex is not part of our next premiership team. And if he really is a club man, Tex, he needs to recognise that there's a young lad that's getting absolutely wasted as a result of Tex continually putting his hand up when he's not 100% fit. And, and sadly, only putting up one hand when he's going for the mark as well. <laughs> 100%. So, uh, yeah, it, anyway. To, we, we can see it, uh, and I think we've called it many times, but uh, it's up to yeah. the club, but I don't think they're going to do it, please. Well, it'll be to their detriment, and uh, I would hate to see Darcy strip for another club and play his rightful position and uh, start toweling people up. 
Um, It'd be vomit time. Yeah, that would be vomit time. Yeah. Yeah. Of the rest, as you mentioned, Lukey Brown I thought was pretty good. Uh, I thought uh, Jake Kelly played all right, um, played his role pretty well. Tom Duday was a bit up and down. Jimmy Rowe was probably the other one who tried really hard. Certainly a better effort from Jimmy Rowe than has been the case over the previous couple of weeks. Um, But we need to see that from Rowe away from home. So next week in Perth is going to be a real test. I thought Will Hamill provided some bounce off halfback as well. He's not always tidy with ball in hand, but he read the play really well. He was sitting off the back of packs when the ball was coming in high and and got a couple of nice crumbs over the back um, to be able to feed the ball forward. And I didn't think it was a bad game from Will Hamill. No, uh, reasonably good game actually. He's got plenty of pace, and he and he, he certainly, although he's a little bit light, he's certainly not frightened to go in. And uh, no, I thought he, he he had a pretty good game, and he's got a he's got a pretty good uh, future. The only, my only one concern about him is he got a little bit of a knock around the head, and he's had a couple of concussions. So I I, I worry about him that he if he gets hit in the head. And that was a sling tackle. Um, that should yep. have been paid, which then meant that gave Lysert free free reign to go, well, they're not paying it, so I'm going to go back to doing what I like to do. Um, so that's on the umpires. Yeah. And it certainly stunned, it st- it stunned him, and uh, I was actually very surprised and very glad to see him come back on because I actually thought that was going to be him done. Um, Agree. And he, we're quite conservative with him because of those. Yeah. Surfsaws in the chat makes an excellent point. He needs to hit the weights. He needs core strength. He needs neck strength. Um, they really because he gets ragdolled, and you can see when when another player there was another player. I think it was Sam Berry got rolled by Lysett later on in the game, and the difference between I know Berry's a bigger lad, but the difference between the two is that. Um, Berry was able to brace his neck and keep his head up off the ground when he got rolled, whereas Hamill flops around like a ragdoll um, and he's just going to be prone to those whiplash events until he builds some strength up around his shoulders and his neck, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. A, it, that, that is a concern, my only concern with him because I think he's got a very good future in terms of ability and pace and and when he's really on top of his game, he also uses the ball pretty well. Not in a game like on the weekend where it's uh, so much pressure where you don't get that opportunity yeah. or time, but normally uh, on a dry day and when he's running with the ball, he does use the ball pretty well and he's got excellent pace. So, but that's my one fear about him is the knocks in the head. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple of interesting uh, comments on the YouTube chats. Dr. Silkman there, Texas treated like a godfather at the Crows. Not going to disagree. Not going to disagree with that. And uh, True Blue Footy saying that Lysett is a flog. Uh, I think you get a, a, a unanimous, unanimous agreement uh, with that one. He really is a flog. Now, the last player that I want to touch on before we uh, wind things up is Elliot Himmelberg. Um, for those frequenting Big Footy, lots of negativity about Elliot. I actually thought that he played a pretty good game. He was on Aaliyah Aaliyah for most of the night. Um, Aaliyah didn't really have a lot of impact uh, on the game, Um, really only had impact on the game when Elliot was in the ruck or off the ground having a rest. Um, I felt like Himmelberg competed in the air pretty well, um, often against two opponents. Generally against two. 
and he's excellent at his feet. His hands are at ground level and his ability to dish at ground level are very, very good. I didn't actually think it was a bad game from Elliot Himmelberg at all. Yeah, I'm a little bit in 1990s camp. He said he's an almost player and he said always will be, which why he won't make it. I don't know whether he'll make it or not. He's He does, uh, at his best, he plays a reasonably good game. At his worst, he really, then he plays poorly. Um, I didn't think his game was horrible on the weekend. And uh, given you know, the, the circumstances and the weather and all the rest of it, I didn't think it was a horrible game. But it wasn't outstanding. Um I do think Elliot's got to perhaps put his hand up a little bit more, Fiend, or we'll see Frampton come back and have another crack. Yes. Um, I'd like to see him go well on a dry deck. Nick, what do you reckon? You're Mrs Himmelberg. <laughs> um, I would like very much so if, and I said this earlier in the chat, if the umpires would actually treat Elliot like they used to when he was against Sydney and all those holding frees were finally actually being paid against him. Because that, I think, might have changed uh, the consensus on Elliot's game a little bit. Um, You're right. That's the reason why I like him is that he's actually got quite a smart football brain. And Mm. there was an an instance earlier, I think it was in the second quarter. Yeah, I think it was in the second quarter where you had him leading forward and there was Tilthorpe who was coming across the side. And it was about centre-half forward. And, and, of course, Aaliyah has left um, Himmelberg, and Himmelberg's actually stopped. He didn't go up for the contest because he saw that Tilthorpe was going to fly. And yeah. to me, and, and this is where Tilthorpe is, is learning. Um, he's only, what is it, how many, two, three games? Are you, you going to bag Tilthorpe again when no, we're no, talking no, about no, Himmelberg? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm considering that he is kind of young. But that's to me, that was the smart thing to do. He didn't go up. He stayed yeah. down. We've seen Elliot do it before when he's gone up and he's recognised he's not going to mark it. He'll do that little tap and he knows where the other Adelaide forwards are and he taps it to their advantage. And so in that instance, that would have been great instead of Riley going for the mark because he's up against two of them, that he did that little tap backwards to Himmelberg, who's free, who could turn and dead straight in front of goals and had a shot. Um, So that's the value that I like from Himmelberg that we don't get from Frampton. Now, Frampton's doing excellently in the SNFL because he's too good for the SNFL. But I don't think he's good enough for AFL. And I also think that Elliot does better around the ground as a ruck than what Frampton does. And I think that's why he'll stay. Yeah. But given that we only ruck Himmelberg, we only we only take Rob off for thirty eight seconds a quarter, basically. So I know, I, and we should. We could we could ruck McHenry and get away with it, really. Um, <laughs> True, there's an issue there with what we're doing in the ruck. I think. Yeah, so well, I, I want to I want to talk about O'Brien in a sec, just to round off. But just to finish off on Himmelberg. Port showed us the value of being able to clunk a mark. Charlie took a couple and McFer- uh, what's his name, Marshall took one. And but There's a, a lot of value in clunking marks and um, that's what we need from Elliot Himmelberg or Billy Frampton. I, I don't, I mean, I, I, I'm a bit of a Himmelberg fan. I jumped off him for a moment and he came back and bit me on the ass late last season. Um but um, I want him to – he needs to regain that late-season form from last year. Um, okay. And But 
But I don't think last night. Uh, I don't think Saturday night was a night for it. It was heavy ground, and they did they did double team him a lot of the time. Um, um, it was quite surprising actually how often they would uh, Cleary in particular would run off Tex, um, and again, you know, that shows where Tex is at. Cleary would run off him and double team Himmelberg. So um, I still favour him over Frampton. Uh, I don't think Frampton's the answer, but if Elliot can't pick it up over the next month, then I'll be asking some questions again about whether he's the answer and whether we we, we would be better off, as 9090 says in the chat, having a forward line that is uh, two tools, Fogg and uh, Riley, and uh, having a lot of smalls around, which is kind of Richmond oh. set up with uh, Revolt and Tommy Lynch. This is my preferred setup, Fane. Uh, I totally agree with that, actually, um, because these guys aren't very aren't uh, top quality. I, I know they'll persevere with them, but uh, I do think we would be much more dangerous. With unfortunately, we've got two smalls missing now for a while. Um, yeah, so that's going to not allow that. But if all were available, I'd go down the path of what you're talking about—just the two tools. Yeah. Look. I'm sure they don't want to ruck Riley at the moment, and that's under. I wouldn't want to. I don't want to see him really in the ruck um, for any stretch of time. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't actually mind the current setup if everyone's playing their role. But at the moment, they're not. Um, so anyway, all right. Um, a couple, one from each of you. That's one Macca zero one O N E one. Player that you think is under the pump at the moment? Uh, Riley O'Brien. Absolutely Riley O'Brien. At the moment, he is a shadow of the player. He was, uh, I thought last year he was starting to fade a little bit, and this year he is gone. He's, he's not what we thought he was going to be and what he should be. I don't know what, what the story is, uh, but he's. he's certainly letting us down. He's getting beaten for the knot, and he's not. Uh, following up the once the ball hits the ground as much or as often mm. as he used to, so uh, I'm very very disappointed with him. Nick, Tex, yes, uh, and uh, if anyone has uh, an opinion on uh, who might be under the pump, uh, those in the chat uh, speak now or forever hold your peace because the podcast's got about five minutes left. Um, yeah, it's going to be a brave call when it happens, Nikki. Very brave call. But it needs to. The, oh, one hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. We've had three three games in a row. Yep, one hundred percent agree. Um, look, you guys both stole my thunder. Um, I don't know what's wrong with wrong with Riley O'Brien at the moment. Um, He's not jumping. He's not aggressive. He's not. He, he was actually going up one-handed too. I don't know whether you noticed um, in marking contests. Um, quite regularly, he was going up one-handed uh, doing the text, uh, which I did not like at all. It seemed like he was intimidated by Lysette. Um It seemed like he was feeling for contact from Lysette mm. the whole time. Uh, I yeah, didn't like his. Didn't like O'Brien's game at all, and he's got to pick it up. Uh, someone at Big Footy said bloated contract syndrome, and I reckon that's pretty right because uh, if he could do it last year, he could do it this year. Um, so he's got to step it up. 
and I'm in full agreement with you on text as we've already spoken about. Um, the only other one, and not necessarily on performance as such, but I really don't want to see DMAC selected. Like DMAC should be a break glass kind of player. We've got a couple of lads, like you've mentioned, uh, O'Connor, and we've got Worrell who's waiting in the wings. Um, you know, Jackson Hatley's back in the twos. Uh, I don't think, I don't, Jackson wasn't performing terribly well, but two games isn't enough. Um, and DMAC did a lot wrong uh, on Saturday night. Uh, did a few things right, but he did a lot wrong as well. So uh, play him as a medical sub if you like. Um, because it gives us a little bit of versatility if required, but I would hate to see him in the 22 for the rest of the year. I, I would see uh, DMAC as a perfect away uh, uh, medical uh, sub because that way um, you're not affecting any of the other lads playing in the SANFL. Thanks, True Blue Footy. Um, saying goodnight. Uh, it's our pleasure, mate. Thanks for, uh, well, I'm assuming it's mate. Could be a lady, but anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, all right, look, I think that might be uh, kind of about it. What do you think? Um, any final thoughts from anybody? Well, the only question is who who will we pick next week to uh, take the place of our uh, two small forwards? And uh, is this the, time, uh, the week we might give you church a run? Or do we give a peddler a run or something like that? I don't think it's. I don't think Newchurch is ready, and Pedler's still coming back from injury. Yeah, that's our problem. I think Newchurch will get somewhere. Um, earlier on the season, he, he was actually doing quite well. He's got a little bit quiet the last couple. Um, he's still got in the SNFL. I've been from what I've seen. I'm, I'm quite pleased with his defensive run, um, but he doesn't. He has to be told to go in and tackle. He doesn't instinctively do that. Um, yeah. And so he needs to, to, to work on that. The game against Sturt was a classic. He was just he was just trying to corral people instead of actually going at them and mm. making the tackle. Um, and Talia took him aside and had quite a few words. And then he actually started to tackle. Um, so I think he is just that little bit away. But he might come in because we don't have a lot of other small forwards. Um, options at all. What about to, Jones? To bring in. Oh, sorry. He doesn't do well. He does not do well up forward. It's, I've quite liked him up half back, and because he actually has to uh, be involved in the play, and he has to stick closer to his man. Whereas he gets lost at half forward, and we've seen that. Yeah. But well, he, we're but gonna, he might have to. We're going to have. Yeah, well, we're going to have two. Two uh, small forwards to uh, replace. Um, I'd be thinking, well, probably uh, I think what they might do is bring uh, Haightley and O'Connor in. Uh, I think uh, Haightley and Schoenberg and O'Connor can probably roll through the forward line with some midfield minutes. Um, But, yeah, the cupboard's a little bit bare at the moment. Hmm. Anyway, look... Go on, mate. I think I think I was just going to say I think you summed it up well there. They, those two are obvious obvious candidates, maybe Jones as well, and that's about it. Yep. All right. Look, thanks to everyone who's joined us. It's been a very lively chat on YouTube and Discord tonight. Thanks to Ninety Ninety Crow for jumping on. 
Don't forget we're back again on Tuesday night with Pete to talk about Crows news, uh, injury updates, and we'll be looking at Jason Horn in more depth as part of our SA Crude to the Draft segment, which is possibly the worst name ever, but no one's come up with a better one. Um, don't forget, uh, get around our Discord. And, guys, if you can, like if you see a tweet or if you see something on YouTube or whatever, give it a share, give it a like. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, give us a review. Um, really keen to try and grow the Crowcast community on Discord so that we get a lively chats like we did tonight. Uh, it's great to see. So uh, tell your friends and get amongst it and uh, share and retweet as much as you can. Also, if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. And uh, if you want to dish in a couple of bucks, go to patreon.com forward slash Crowcast. There's all my advertisements, uh, Nikki and Macca. It's been a fun night. Good chat. Thanks, both of you. A pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thanks to everyone. And uh... <laughs> come on, ninety ninety. That's no good. Thanks to everyone, and we'll see you on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live at eight thirty. Not all. Not all. Not all.